Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi guys, it's David here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you all about Football Prizes. Football Prizes is a website which, you might have guessed by the name, gives you the opportunity to win prizes to do with your club. You can win, in fact, at this point, if you're a Rangers fan, a Steven Gerrard signed Rangers shirt, nicely framed, ready to go. All you need to do is go to their website and enter. You go to footballprizes.co.uk and you'll also find them on social media. Uh, if you go to Facebook, it's uh, Football Prizes. Twitter, it's uh, at Football underscore Prizes. And Instagram, it's Football dot Prizes. So easy to find them, easy to enter. And you might walk away with a lovely framed Steven Gerrard signed Rangers top. So you know what to do. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that enjoys when it has weeks like this where everything in the Garden of Rangers appears rosy. Joining me to discuss another excellent victory, our 15th on the trot, and of course the current implosion going on at Parkhead is first of all the delectable Mr Martin Ramsey. How are we David, boys, listeners? Not too bad, my friend. Also joining us is Ian Hogg. Good evening, Hoggy. Good evening. It's um, yeah, it's it's quite the day, isn't it? And adding a sexy element is Alex Staff. Good afternoon, Alex. Hello, and hello, gentlemen. How are we all? Now, I know that there's one particular listener who gives me um, abuse on social media when he feels that we talk too much about Celtic. I wouldn't listen to large parts of this show if I were you, mate. Right, I'm just warning you right up front that we are going to point and laugh a good fair bit at Celtic, but also ask a few, I think, important and serious questions. But we are a Rangers podcast, and the most important thing is how our own team does. And, of course, we recorded another victory, our second of the season at Pataudry, as I mentioned, our 15th straight win, which is quite ridiculous, by two goals to one. In a slightly odd game, I felt, Martin, I thought Rangers, you know, the first 20 minutes was maybe as you would expect it. Rangers began to assert dominance, took over, obviously got the penalty, the red card got the goal. Uh, Aberdeen should have been down to nine just before half time. Rangers start the second half, come out, foot in the throat, got the second. And then the game was sort of dying a little bit, but nobody told uh, Aberdeen that. They they got a goal back, and all of a sudden, a match that had seemed to be done and dusted after 50 minutes uh, put us through the ringer a wee bit, it's fair to say. Yeah, um, we'll never know how nervous the players are compared to how nervous we are in that, that kind of projection. I thought some immediately stopped doing everything that they've been doing for the best part of an hour, uh, but we, we, we managed to see it out really without too much trouble after that that, that goal, uh, as it turned out. Um, as a whole, though, I mean, you, we've spoken about it in other pods of late. The, the last couple of months have been a bit of a grind 
and which isn't a bad thing. It's good to see a Rangers team being able to do that. Um, hugely busy schedule, uh, and we've just been churning them out. But what we had hoped for with a week's break now and, and kind of getting into that kind of different routine is that we would start seeing some of the more fluent football, um, more purposeful, a bit more positive uh, football that we've seen at the start of the season, um, as well as three points. And they didn't really disappoint uh, other than that. Um, but a complacency that, that allowed Aberdeen back into the game um, for, for the best part of that 70 minutes. Um, we looked as good as we've looked for, for some time, which is... Exactly what you want to see. Um, that's that's literally turning the screws, not just the three points. It's okay. We've got some key players that are turning up again, and that's that's good to see. Has one of the differences been there for Martin? I'll just stay with you on this point. But in the last couple of seasons, basically everyone looked done in in January. Whereas we have seen in the last few weeks, Yanis Hadji has has stepped up. For example, Alfie is coming back to to what we know we can expect from him. And the, there are actually players coming in, and, and the way a squad should work, you know, guys like Scott Arfield, etc. Earlier in the season were being quite superb, but injury maybe takes him out, dips in form or whatever. But when you get guys coming in like Aribo, like uh, Hadji, and then also, you know, Kent stepping up his form, I thought yesterday, that's kind of how it's supposed to work, right? But hasn't for us the past two years. It's, it's, what it, it's how it works when you have a genuine squad of options rather than your boys and then some replacements if you absolutely need to, which is kind of where we've been the, the, the past couple of years. Kent and, and Morelos have been... Uh, too relied <laughs> upon, really, to 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 be our, our our attack and to to settle games, and they have looked spent by by exactly this stage. Really, they've looked exhausted, and the team have looked exhausted. Um, compare those December's um, eighteen, uh, oh, sorry, uh, eighteen and nineteen compared to to the one that we've just seen. Absolutely chaotic emotionally through the ring, especially last December uh, with the League Cup final and the, the, the disappointment of uh, throwing away that two-goal lead at Pataudry. Um And then that that response obviously culminated in the, the, the win at Parkhead. That takes it out, a team it has to. Um, but this December's just been pretty much uh, low fail, not exerting too much energy, just getting enough done. We scare a hope my mother will write. We get a 45 minutes that... that, that brings that back, um, just ticking over. And hopefully we're, we're going to see some afterburners now that, that we're, we feel able to. And don't discount the fact that it's a hell of a lot easier to turn the afterburners on in January, which you need to in order to go and win a title when you are a thousand points clear um, rather than ball deep in a in a, in a real neck and neck race. That That's genuine pressure at that time um, you build up a cushion for a reason because it allows you then to really really turn that screw Ian how important is week off well, I mean I can't remember the last time Rangers didn't have a midweek game I, I genuinely I'm sure there was one but I, I, it's been so long there's been so many games we did have that week between matches and the team that I did think you know up until the, the, the silly goal we gave away I thought Oh, this is better. This is, you know, the sharpness just looked back in the attacking play, I thought. I think the last six to eight weeks, David, we've looked tired. We've looked a bit leggy and, and the, the real zip had gone from us. Um, Martin's right, though. We were grinding out results. 15 of them in a row, for God's sake. That week, however, you know, maybe after the first two or three minutes where it was a bit um, scary yesterday, um, we took control and we moved the ball so quickly. Kent wanted it everywhere. Morelos was coming deep, linking the play and then bursting into the box. We've not seen that for weeks. Um, that week off, probably a couple of days off after the Celtic game to properly recharge and then proper time on the training pitch. Um, that's That equals yesterday, or at least certainly the first hour anyway um i can't it's weeks literally weeks since we've seen the midfield and the forward line interact yesterday like they did uh, sorry like they did yesterday um you've got to put that down to having a week off there's not many clubs in the country have been going thursday sunday thursday sunday every single week and the only time off they're getting david is when we're playing international football and then two thirds of the squad are going and travelling mm. around the world. Um, 
it's been constant. It's felt constant for us as fans. Players must be, they uh, genuinely, they must have absolutely relished it. They probably wished they'd got some sunshine. Yeah, they, they, they looked as though they'd, they'd been refreshed, but uh, maybe in a different way to what we've seen from other clubs. Alex, um, you know, talking about the goals, uh, classic Alfredo Morelos. The, both the strikes, I thought, were terrific goals, um, terrific striking play to, to create the space for himself to be alive to the op- for the for the first goal and then to be alive to the opportunity for the second and then finished with uh, no little skill as well. Uh, two tremendous goals from him. Alfie's career at Rangers, and this is his fourth season with us, has tended to be terrific in terms of goal scoring, terrific first half of the season, and then the goals dry up. You know, no, not totally, but that overall, I think, is a fair, a fair summation. This year hasn't been his best in terms of goal scoring. He has contributed. We've, we've talked about it on this show before. Um, but it wasn't a case of him being a dead loss. He wasn't a man down or anything like that most of the time. He he was still a, a part of the, the squad. But if Alfredo Morelos does discover his scoring boots, and we know, as as I say, he can be a, a guy who goes on goal scoring runs, if this is when he's going to get his 20 goals between now and the end of the season, that's that's an exciting prospect. It really is. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> a bit too exciting almost um, I, I think j- yesterday j- just showed, contain yourself right? trying. It, you know, it's, been, it's more and more difficult as the weeks go past David I'm not going to lie um, with an awful lot of um, premature stuff going on in Scottish football this week we do not need to add to it no true true um, I think the, the goals yesterday showed well there was two things I noticed yesterday firstly they mentioned after the game that was the most touches Morelos has had inside the 18 yard box in a game since the game against Samir and Ibrox but he also scored two goals um, so that shows there was a wee bit of a different intent from him that he was he was in those areas looking to to get in amongst the goals in a game where you know Aberdeen away as much as we were dominating possession especially when they went down to 10 men it's not it's not the easiest of games. There's no, there's no point in, uh, in dressing it up any other way. It was a very good performance and a good result. The, the thing that I was most impressed by in the week off, I think, really made a, a big difference here. I can't remember any aimless, aimless is maybe the wrong word, but crosses from about 40, 35, 40 yards out or anything like that. Anytime Barisic and, and Tavernier were crossing it, they generally were past that defensive line and looking to whip it in between goalkeeper and defender. A couple of deeper crosses in the in the second half, maybe from uh, Barisic when Tavernier was basically living at the back post because after he missed the penalty, he was determined to score. Uh, but things like that, the things that you see in some of the other games that we've had in December, I feel as though the teams had a chance to go away and just refocus on what they do best. And that first goal is what we do best. Patient play. Didn't, you know, we tried every pass is trying to open up, trying to move the ball forward. It didn't work. We reset a little bit. We started again. Suddenly we get to having you on the ball, but not quite one v one, but may sense uh, Johnny Hayes on his arse. And then you know, it's a cutback. It's one touch. It's it's not kind of some sort of ball. In earlier games this season, Tavernier would have played the cross straight away in that situation. You wouldn't have been looking to take the extra touch and find a man in the edge of the box. Similarly, when, when Arebo was in that scenario, uh, cutting inside for the second goal, again, similar, he's looking to cut it back. We'd seen a few instances where people were looking to find those players in those spaces. And that's the sort of thing that I think we'd slightly got away from in our attacking play. Um, and it was a little less precise. Uh, and I, I, I'm watching the team... Um, at Petardre, I was thinking you can see in the training that we've just reminded everybody here's what you're best at and it's really letting them focus on that and they've went out and they've played that way people talk about the red card and of course it has a factor on the game but for about 20 minutes before that happened after as, as Hoggy described it after that kind of first crazy five minutes or so for about 20 minutes we were looking very strong playing some lovely stuff the move for the penalty was gorgeous um, uh, and yeah it was um it was you could see where you could see the difference. That's uh, it's it's kind of it's very encouraging to know that we can kind of go away and it doesn't take much because the team's already very well drilled. But just well, there's still improvements that can be made there. A 15 game winning run and there's still ways that we can say to the team, here's how you get even better. That's that's pretty encouraging. 
Yeah, and there was a lot of good play. The the first half, I think Rangers did take control of it. And of course, uh, that, that did lead to our first opportunity, a penalty kick, which um, has to go down, I think, as one of the worst penalty kicks I've seen from a Rangers player. <laughs> you know, I love James Tavernier. He's having a hell of a season. Does anyone wish to defend this? Because it wasn't even close. Uh, I thought it looked white. <sighs> you thought it looked it was- what? I didn't think it was that wide. He didn't hit the fucking target. I didn't think it was that wide. It was about two foot wide. It's 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 a dread. Given Joe Lewis is already gone. I, I mean, he, he's he's got the whole goal to aim at, and it's it's two foot wide. It's a shocker, but the flip side, David, is you know he, he's been tremendous all season. Oh, so no, I'm not you know, but it was well, a well, penalty kick. Well, allow it. I'd I'd rather just talk about the the the, the red card and the foul because it's it's nuts. Well, uh, I suppose if you did have to miss one, one that doesn't cost you is, uh, the time to do it. And he has been tremendous from the spot. But um, you know, James, come on. If a keeper saves it, that's one thing. But you know, put it between the two posts and the big, you know, the the white cross bar thing. Anyway, Martin, uh, this is something I wanted to talk to you about because uh, I noticed uh, that. It, it kind of got on your wick slightly. Not the decision itself, which was the mm. most obvious decision that you'll ever see in your life. It was a stonewall penalty kick. And it was a stonewall red card because of the current rules. Yes, double jeopardy exists, but only if you make a genuine attempt to play the ball, which uh, the Ryan Hedges did not. So pretty straightforward. Uh, even Derek McInnes said afterwards, yep, referee explained it to us as a red card. But the punditry that we are forced to endure in this country uh, immediately went into oh, no, it's not a penalty because I don't like that rule. That isn't how it works, right? You don't get to say, well, okay, I accept it as a penalty under the current rules, but I don't like the rules and therefore I don't think it should be a penalty. That's that's just stupid. Yeah, it's just Michael Stewart, of course. Um, following the, the, the two schools of punditry, one, it's not a penalty because it's Rangers. Mm. Um, and then this... It was never a red card. Uh, sorry, it's not a, a red card because it's Rangers. I think uh, I don't think even uh, Michael Stewart um, said it wasn't a penalty. Um, it, was, it was more the the, the red card issue, uh, and then yeah, he went on this uh, lecture um, on on the laws of the game, um, and this was never a red card um, because this is, this isn't how it should be, and it's not particular to Michael Stewart, but it's it's a dreadful turn of punditry throughout um uh British TV. I don't 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 watch much um um or many European channels, not as much as I used to in my teenage years. Um <laughs> but uh, the uh, what you get is this I think the law should be this, therefore that's a bad decision that, that referee's made. Now mm. you you're entitled to say the law's an ass here and this is why. That's that's fine. We can have a yeah, debate yeah. about that. Um, and, and in the future, I would like to see uh, um, a yellow card for such an offence. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way that Michael Stewart frames it is that referee's made a mistake because I think the laws should be different. And it <laughs> winds me up backwards. Um, uh, and if it, it listen, if it wasn't Rangers, he, he probably wouldn't be doing it. It's this kind of intellectual contortion that these poor souls um, are, are forced to to do um, all throughout this season because things aren't going well for them, um, that they have to take such ridiculous positions. Um, it should be entertaining. I, I, I can't allow myself to be entertained by it because it, it just keeps propagating the same nonsense and you see it all through through social media, um, I, I, I'm sure on the telly as well. I don't know what what the sports scene um, view of it was. Uh, I, I couldn't quite bring myself to to, to watch that. But uh, we uh, we scratch our heads now and again, don't we? As a, as a national game, saying why are we so bad and why is our game so bad? Um, and never really point the fingers at who is talking about the game, who is um, who, who is speaking on its behalf to a, a generation or many generations of, of viewers, um, so ill-conceived, so ill-considered and so ill-educated um, that obviously that just perpetuates the same same kind of garbage. But uh, yeah, that, that was... Uh, I don't like retweeting 
guys like Stuart and something because I, I do think they're just professional trolls, really. Um, but that that tipped me over the edge. That's before we even get to Curtis May. I did. Uh, yeah. I, I, sorry, David. Incidentally, I did love the delicious irony last night of uh, Kevin Thompson of this parish simply laughing at Michael Stewart on Twitter, and Michael Stewart saying to him, "Oh, come now, Kevin. That's you just playing to the gallery." Yeah, that I got a brand new ironyometer for Christmas, and that smashed it. So thanks very much, Mikey, um, for that one. Uh, it's this post fact. Um, punditry that, that we're forced to endure here which as Martin says it's not well that's the situation it's I don't want the situation to be that and therefore I'm going to say this with conviction and it it, it, it adds to the, the sort of sourness that surrounds Scottish football and it builds into paranoia of certain people um, you know Rangers just cannot seem to get a win without it somehow being caused by the Illuminati even when you get the clearest of clear decisions I actually thought Alex that the clearest of clearest decisions presented itself two minutes before half time when um, whatever that thing Aberdeen have up front next to Sam Cosgrove who you know Sam Cosgrove with his 10 fouls yesterday um, should certainly consider himself lucky not to, to get a booking but he does at least have ability. He puts the ball in the net fairly regularly. Um, that sort of lump of lard that they've fashioned into something that they can fit a top over that runs about and into things. Um, Curtis Main, I believe his name is. He goes in, studs up, high knee high on Borna Barisic. Red card all day long, you know, out of control, endangering an opponent, you name it, as Alan McGregor rather memorably put yes. it in the SPFL highlight video, how many fucking boxes does it need to tick John to the referee? Um, it's, it's a red card. And again, we get this thing of a referee not given what he sees, not given what the rules are, but saying to himself, I've already sent off an Aberdeen player, I can't really send off another one, so I'll book him. Um that's why John Beaton shouldn't be a referee in Scotland. He's not good enough. He doesn't give what he doesn't have confidence in himself to do it. And I understand why, you know, I mean, what, what the Celtic support put him through. But he's a guy who makes decisions based on factors out with the game he's refereeing. Do you know what the worst part is, David? He's one of our better refs. Um, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, I think he is. But that's why not many referees would have went in, not many referees up here would have went into. To Derek McInnes at half time and explained that red card for Hedges. Um, I'll give him a small bit of credit for, for doing that, uh, which obviously by the end of the game, I was fully waiting on Derek McInnes' interview, thinking, oh, here we go, what nonsense is he going to hit us with? But he was actually quite placid about it all because it had already been explained to him. Uh, but yes, the cut is mean, it was a stonewall red card. How many have we got to see over the years? It's not just John Beaton, is it? It's all the referees, really. Um, that for me, Martin's talking about you know how we improve the game. Who's actually talking about it? that sort of incident and, and the regularity with which it happens is what's holding Scottish football back, in my opinion. I think the best thing that happened to, to football in England in years was referees starting to referee it in the way that we used to just be told it's that you wouldn't get away with that in Europe. You know that that was a phrase that people still use up here, and in England they started to referee the games like they should be refereed and the football's improved they, their teams have improved in the European arena as well um, due to that and it's a, it's a better spectacle now um, that one wound me up more from the, the Michael Stewart slash sports scene commentary all three of them in sports scene said that wasn't a red card um, and you know Michael Stewart's talking about not enough contact which is which just isn't a thing but exactly. It's not, it, it's not the criteria. Um, yeah. it, it, it doesn't come into the criteria. So that's either not knowing the rules or, as Martin has pointed out, just disregarding them because it doesn't suit what you want to say. It's starting from, I don't want that player sent off because it's Rangers and working back. Yeah, yeah, the contacts. It's, it's, it, that, there's a few phrases that, that still kick about that wind me up. That's one of them. There was no contact. He won the ball. Or, you know, the other famous one, he wasn't the last man or whatever, you know, all these sort of things that are just absolutely irrelevant, never been 
never been in the in the, in the rules of the game ever at any point um, for these things. But there you go. Um, yeah, red card all day long. I think you're right. I think John Beaton has looked at it and went, I've already put them down to 10, um, which is, as you say, is a, a poor way to to make the decision in that, in that moment. Um, and if anybody is listening to this and hasn't heard Alan McGregor's reaction to it, mm. please, I'll go to go it. and find it because it's beautiful. Yeah, you need to be careful in those SPFL videos. Um, <laughs> cameras can pick you up when you least expect it. Yes. Uh, so, or rather, recorders can pick you up when you least expect it. Ian, into second half, Rangers get the goal. Well, looking good for a third, actually. And then the manager said a few players dropped to walking football pace. That's a quote from the man. He was less than impressed. Um, I think they felt the game was done. I did, to be fair. It looked as though it was completely done. And then Rangers somehow contrived to get done, despite being two up away from home against 10 men, somehow contrived to get done on the break. We have been tremendous this year. It was only the sixth goal our defence has conceded. But my God, I reckon Alan McGregor was booting some balls for his clean sheet being ruined after that one. I'll bet he was. I mean, our our second goal is beautiful. It's, it's Morelos again. It's Kent again. It's patience, as Alex talked about. And you're right. You know, we, we look to put our foot in the, on their throat for about the next 10, 15 minutes and then didn't chuck it. You know, just visibly took the foot off the gas and stopped doing the basics. Stopped doing those very basic things of... If we've got the fullbacks far up the park, we've got sitting midfielders to cover. We stop doing all that. And their goal comes from we've got fullbacks up the park, we've got midfielders up the park. And somehow, having really not attacked for just about the entire match and being down to 10 men, they end up with what was a two on two. Yeah. Um, and and the boy, Matty Kennedy, I think it was, has got. Basically, a one-on-one with McGregor strokes it past him, and at that point, you're thinking, "Oh shit, how are we going to react now?" In reality, David, you know, cold light of day, the the game then turned into this bizarre game of football, which resembled Easter Road and Helicopter Sunday in the last fifteen minutes. You know, we were passing the ball about at the back, waiting for them to attack. They didn't want to attack because they know that we would do them. Um, and nothing happened. And it's only really when we started attacking in the last five minutes, the game livened up again. But it was an atrocious goal to lose. And I do suspect McGregor's booting balls. I mean, if he's if he's that angry at John Beaton um, <laughs> for that tackle, one can only imagine what he was like in the dressing room with, with, with the midfield and the defence. Because it was a shocker. It's just one of those lapses. We've been done. Um, it's not cost us, I guess, is the main thing. Um, so as long as we learn from it, David, then that's fine. But we, we, even when we're down to ten men, even when we're two 0 up, we've not been over the line with this squad. We've not been over the line for so many years that we we simply cannot afford to switch off. We did it in the cup, at, in in Paisley. We did, and we and we couldn't flick it back on. And yesterday we did it. We lost the goal, and we eventually turned it back on and took control of the game. We've got to be at it for the 90 minutes. So as long as the players learn from that, then fine, you know, we've got away with it. But it was it was unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Yeah, and of course, you know, we're always um, awaiting the kick in the nuts. And I will say this, I thought the team managed the game out pretty straightforwardly. I don't think Alan McGregor was, was called into it. But even so, I can understand why the manager wasn't best pleased. But Martin, that is 15 wins in a row, which is just silly. It is six goals conceded in the league by the middle of January. Um, this is a pretty good side. It's a pretty special side. And, you know, we're going to talk about the the kind of self-immolation at Parkhead, which is of a standard that I think a Tibetan monk would be proud of. But even so, it's a remarkable set of statistics that this side are putting together. And if they continue in the right vein, there's no reason that they can't add to this. Um, yeah, uh, we were on the flagship after the Hibs game and there was a lot of angst uh, and uh, gnashing and wailing um, going on in, in that particular podcast. I think we were chatting earlier today and said we may have been a bit over the top that day. We weren't. It was a repeat of what we'd seen before. Um, what we asked and what we hoped was was a good response. None of us 
could see a response quite like this. Um, it's been mature. Um, it's been varied. Um, it's just handling the game as it comes, the fixture as it comes, the situation as it comes, more or less. Um, and that's something that we we that haven't or had or didn't characterise the previous two league campaigns, which tended to be all or nothing and, and absolutely leaving it out on on the field or looking as if they'd never played football together before. Um, it's been it's been an incredible story, uh, and if this does continue and trend the way or continue to trend the way it's going, we're obviously going to be league champions. Only COVID, in my opinion, can can stop that. Um, I don't think it's it, realistically speaking. I don't think it, it could be done on on a on a football basis. Um, and let's not kid ourselves on. Let's not rewrite history. I was at Tyne Castle at the end of February last year. Um, that that Scottish Cup game, he was done. And then the, you know again threw the players under the bus. And then they vomited up that performance against Hamilton at Ibrox. And like, right, we're, we're kind of back to the drawing board. Where do we go? It looked lost. He looked helpless, hopeless, bereft of ideas. And then in the words of Alan Partridge, China happened. And we, the story and this transformation of what Rangers did, what this management team did during that reset, uh, is going to be one of the most important in the club's history because this, is, this has been incredible. They are a special side, Ian, and I don't think we'll fully appreciate it until the day that they have the the big silver thing in their hands. And that's understandable because we all want it so much. I mean, we really do. But it's all right to be confident that we're going to be able to see it through. Um, and it's it's all right to be worried about other factors, you know, affecting it and whatnot. But I do think this team has earned the right for us to trust them. Yeah, uh, I... But it's it's not human nature, David, is it? You know, we're we're what ten years on, almost ten years on since the last league championship. So therefore, and we do want it so badly, and therefore, against the likes of Motherwell, we all probably reacted in the same way during that game. Uh, I know you and I did. And you, just, you you heard from me in the last twenty minutes of yesterday. Um, uh, my, indeed, I was needing a pair of those Billy Conley C three plus fours for the continents pants. <laughs> So, so you're right, absolutely. That the, the this lot have have earned the right to be trusted. Absolutely, we've gone through the season just you know getting over those wee mental hurdles. Supporters and team, incidentally, and management team. You know we've we've Celtic away first game of the season. We've uh, how do we bounce back from European games? How do we bounce back from defeats? Um, what's the first game in January going to look like? Because let's face it, the past two seasons, that's been a, a shocker in the league. Um, and every single time, even though we've not maybe fired in all cylinders for, for a couple of months, every single time we're coming up with the answers. And that's different. It is different for the squad. It's, it's different for the management team as well. And... I think often, David, we, we kind of tend to forget Gerard's still a baby in management terms. Um, and yes, it's not great when he's learning on our dime, if you like, but that's what happens. And and we're seeing the benefit, we're reaping the benefit of it now. I tend to agree with Martin that, whilst I don't want to say it's done, it's, it's, it's going to be just a bit, if we can continue like this through January, no one's no one's stopping us at all. Twenty-one wins and two draws in twenty-three games, David. Six goals we've lost. Two of them at Easter Road, for crying mm. out loud. Um, this is a special team. And as I say, up until yesterday, the previous two months, they had been fired nowhere near on all cylinders, yet still managing to to grind out the wins. And with that comes something that Martin's talked about before the scoreboard pressure, because it's the pressure of of knowing that your opponents are not going to let up, that your opponents are already up over the hill and far away. Um, you know, as has been pointed out before, Celtic need to win four matches just to be ten points behind. Um, that may explain what can only be called an absolute 
wet fanny of a situation for Celtic over the last few weeks, where things have been so amateurish that it's led some Rangers fans to think that they are deliberately trying to get the season canned because it's so far from sensible that it makes it difficult to conceive that anyone with an intellect into the three figures could have come up with it. I was walking at Vibrox last week after the game and I saw the Celtic bus being loaded up and there were lots and lots and lots of suitcases. And uh, I said to a friend, uh, well, that, that's strange. They really need that much gear for the game. And he said, no, they're going to Dubai. And I said, what? Sorry, what? I must have missed this. He said, they're going to Dubai in the middle of a frigging pandemic. Aye. Why? Training camp. Now, firstly, I think we've already proved that going to Dubai in January is a bloody stupid idea. But um, Celtic have certainly, you know, uh, added for the scientific experiment. They've added their their quote of evidence to it. You'll all have seen the pictures. Everybody's seen the pictures. Nicholas Sturgeon's seen the pictures, and nobody was particularly impressed by it. Shockingly enough, Celtic have arrived back to discover that uh, indeed they do have a positive COVID test. Christoph Julian, who for some reason had to go on this training trip, despite the fact that he was injured and couldn't train. Um, and 13 of their players and staff are having to self-isolate at the moment. That is not the end of it, incidentally. Um, you know, the, the fact has more positive term, yeah, cases may be returned as the incubation period grows. Alex, it has been nothing but a shambles from them. Um, and yet we have the SFA out defending them, saying they have no case to answer. Ian Maxwell, the chief executive, said that today. We have had the SPFL saying nothing on Celtic whatsoever, but instead um, shutting down Leagues 1 and 2. To the which made the Stenhousemuir chairman say that we feel that we've become martyrs to Celtic's trip. That the SFA felt compelled, to, uh, the SPFL felt compelled to take some action, but obviously not against Celtic. I do hate to sound, you know, like I'm wearing a, a, a tinfoil hat, but there's an awful lot of evidence here to suggest that that any action against Celtic by the governing bodies is fought against with a fervour that had Celtic fought with it, they wouldn't be 154 points behind us. <laughs> well, that's certainly the truth, yeah. Um, I, I think, I think um, I don't like to use this example really, but I think the stupidity of the whole situation is summed up by the fact that 99% of Celtic supporters mm. can't believe that they went. Even their own supporters aren't defending it. And we know the sort of things they'll defend. So that just shows you how stupid it was. Um, for for Julian to have went when he was injured, the report a report today suggested there was forty nine players and staff went on that trip to Dubai. Now it's a training camp, and if you've been allowed to do that and you feel as though that's the best move to make, which I I don't. In fact, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that because I, I have a kind of theory on that as well. Forty nine seems like a high number to me. I imagine what, between squad and coaches, you're maybe in the low 30s, some physios. Well, I reckon there's a good 10 to 15 people where I'm like, why are they there? Did you, do you really need a media team over there to record you running about a pitch in Dubai? Is that essential? I don't think it is for a few days training. You know, things like that. There's, there's, it seems like a, it's more like a jolly, isn't it? It just comes across that way. I would be... A, far be it from me to, to ever wish to be in this situation but were I a Celtic fan I would also have been asking why you were arranging this thing during a midweek that could have been used for a game with your three mm. games behind if you had belief in your team that you were going to go to Ibrox and win the first thing I would have been thinking we're going to go there we're going to win we're going to drag this gap back a little bit then we're going to play one of those games in hand and we're going to win that and we're going to start to ramp the pressure up that would have been my first thought not, oh, we might win if we go to Ibrox, but then we'll just go away for over a week and let them get yet another game played before we play. Doesn't That doesn't seem the smartest move to me. So it suggests that it was a lack of confidence in general. Or, as I think you have described it in previous pods this season so far, David, a half arson that just seems to have taken over at every level in their club at the moment. It's, uh, it's, it's been phenomenally, phenomenally hilarious from our perspective, but um, but yeah, the, the whole thing, the fact that the SFA and SPFL have done nothing and, and largely defended it 
is is probably the bigger issue here, um, and it's farcical, really. Uh, but did anybody on this pod expect anything different? Martin, you're a sensible fellow. I, I'll accept that sometimes I can let my my head run away with me a little bit, or rather, let my heart run away with me a little bit. Tell me, I'm being silly here when I when I think to myself, are they trying to get this canned? Mm. Uh, well, we've talked about scoreboard pressure. No one likes to to be in that position. You you want to get that deficit as you see it down to you know all things being equal. Um, they don't appear to have any intention of playing these games in hand anytime soon, um, and we are expecting that the, the the nationwide COVID picture to get worse before it gets better. Uh, January, early February could be could be pretty tough. Um, so they're not catching us on the field. I, I, I don't care what anyone says. The the the, the, the general shambles around the club. Um, around the team um, early on in the season has, has just just continued. It's a malaise. They're tired. Um, no one's listening anymore. Lost addressing. We you know we've seen this story before in, in various different guises throughout football. Um, it's their only hope uh, is to be in a position if the the national picture is is so dramatic that a government feels you know what professional sport really isn't the priority at this minute in time um what we're calling it to say look we've got six seven games still outstanding you you can't you can't possibly do that just not avoid the euros aren't moving um the, i don't think i wouldn't bother you wouldn't put it past anything past them this is the the, the tour of japan um club um and that wasn't even the worst thing they they, they, they tried that that particular season so um no, I, I, I don't imagine uh, you're being overly paranoid or overly um, uh, silly uh, to think that, that that hasn't crossed their minds. It's why they've shipped a cast of thousands over to, to this camp, including someone who had to get crutches to go on the plane. Um, I wonder if they expected the government to to act pretty you know, quickly. Um, by all accounts, they were given a bit of a doing today um, and yeah maybe it just, it just runs out for them in terms of, of everyone bending over backwards because you get so used to it you just expect it don't you um, but they're, they're a mess they're an absolute mess uh, and this <laughs> just when you think some of the days that we've seen this season the sharp barrier and all that can't, can't be beaten um, today has, has surpassed that and more it's great isn't it <laughs> it's, like, it's like they're trying to catch up on a decade of ridiculousness at eyebrows. I was going to say that, man. It genuinely is like the last decade in Squeezed. three months. Yeah. yeah, three months worth of banter years where it's almost a case that, it's almost a case that Rangers have gone, right, where we're getting there, almost even keel, championships in sight, the banter years, eh, and Celtic have just gone, oh, fucking hold my beer. They've just gone nuts. Uh, and we're talking from top to bottom. I mean, the whole Dubai trip, it was approved by what the Joint Response Group in November. And I don't genuinely don't really, uh, from a rules point of view, no no big deal with them going. Morally, it's not a good look just getting papped by Rangers and then boarding a plane and going for pints in Dubai. It's all the... The professional, the elite sport rules that they've broken along the way, the pints by the pool, the in the public bar, all the rest of it. And here they've they've got COVID. And yeah, Nicola Sturgeon did not hold back today, Martin, at all, talking about how the rest of the team shouldn't suffer because of one team. And actually, that took me by surprise. I'll, I'll freely admit that. Because she's right. <laughs> and, you know, so... The absolute right thing there might get worse. It might get, you know, stopped down the line. It might get called for the growing null and void brigade. All I'll say is go on to Google and type in Neil Neil Doncaster null and void. And you get a plethora of Celtic websites from April and May basically poo-pooing all those people in radio and BBC who were given it was as null and void an option. Um, 
it's funny how things change, guys. Uh, bottom line is the precedent's been set, David. Null and void was not an option last season from a financial point of view, from a sponsorship point of view, from a Sky Sports point of view. Nothing's changed. Uh, if anything, we're more desperate for money. As it's a, also it's also changed. Sorry, Hoggy. It's also changed just in terms of the COVID picture. We didn't know what this was in March. No one was on top of it. No football authority was on top of it. Um, and forget the shambles that that, that that resulted. We are ahead of the game. We 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 can kind of kind of deal with it if clubs act responsibly and if individual players act responsibly. And if they don't, as our individual players were banned for what seven games, um, you you'll pay the price. Um, but but just, I know that the end of a long run of incumbent champions has to end in tiredness. It always does. In bad decision making, it always does. But this is, <laughs> this is on, oh, just it turned up to 11. Why they didn't sack him before, I, 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 just, I couldn't, I could not work that out. Uh, we, we talked the first old firm game when he, he had his pre-match interview as if he, he'd just been in Vienna's all night. Um, things are not right there, the, the European shambles. We kind of get used to that. that that's kind of happened a, a, a few scenes now. Um, but I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I tried it's, to... There must yeah, be a rational it, explanation. It, but yeah, it's so hubris. That's the rational explanation. It's next level. You see it in their statements. It's hubris. It's We're used to getting our own way. And therefore, we cannot countenance any situation in which we don't get our own way. And therefore, we're going to make these decisions regardless of logic or common sense. It's tunnel vision. It's bunker mentality. It's, it's, it's entitlement. It's the rules don't apply to us. And even if they do, we won't get sanctioned anyway. You know, let, let's let's summarise this. Celtic took an, a defender who's out for four months. They took him to Dubai for pints, basically. Um, under the guise of essential training camp. He gets COVID. Now 16 of them or 13 and whatever the number is have to self-isolate. And still the statement is, well, we could have got it anywhere. How's about genuine, and I, I'm, I'm being genuine when I say this, probably while smiling, David, um, the hubris and the entitlement through the statements that came out of Parkhead, you're seeing a support turn over on the other side of the city, because none of them are blaming, you know, COVID-1690 and none of them are blaming the Masons and and the, all the usual stuff. Maybe some whack jobs are. Maybe but some, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the vast majority are going, our clubs are shambles. What are you doing about it? And the answer is, we're going to sink pints by the pool in Dubai. It's, you know, there, there's a, it's, it's up there in terms of McCann-like worst holidays. It's, it, Insane decision making that they've gone. Yes, they were they were approved to go under you know it's elite sports camp stuff, and they've ripped the pish out of it, and now they're going to get what's coming to them. How can you take Barca somewhere and claim to be elite sports? I mean that's straight away you're at it. But uh, yeah, long may it continue. Um, the important thing though, Alex, is we need to continue to do our thing because I don't think the Celtics continuing leap down the plug hole uh, hasn't been affected. If we were a shambles, they wouldn't be making so many bad decisions. I'm not saying they wouldn't be making bad decisions, but they wouldn't be making so many bad decisions. We're forcing them and they're, they're, they're out of practice at reacting in that way. They are, actually. Yeah, this is, this is an area where I'm very, very happy to admit that I was wrong. Um, for a few years... You know, when people would say, oh, we've never seen them under genuine pressure. <coughs> me, <coughs> me. <laughs> and, you would sit, and you would sit on this show and say, oh, I don't know. Uh, well, I, I'd like to point out that I didn't jump in when people were saying nobody saw this turnaround coming from the squad either. Ahem. Anyway. Uh, no, 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 let's not focus on that. The important <laughs> thing right now to yes. focus on is that it's I was right. Top. Okay, that's that's the important thing. I don't want anybody that we can come back to your thing on another occasion. But right now, let yeah, fair fair, one each. Fair fair enough. No, and I was wrong here because I, you know, I did think to myself, okay, yeah, I thought we were putting them under. I thought we were maybe putting them under some sort of pressure, especially you know towards a sort of time last season um, when we just beat them at their own patch and 
you know, but we had a great start to last season, but then obviously we let that slip pretty quickly and that took it all off them. Um, it's been that continuing nature of it, as you as you said, and as you guys rightly pointed out to me in the past, it's as much as we never really kept our foot on the gas. Um, there would be times where we'd be clearly right up in their faces, but it never really kept there. We never really stayed there. Um, and in this in this season, that that has been the case. We've sensed about weakness. We've uh, and we've pounced on it. Uh, not even on, not just on the pitch either. But, but off it as well, so it's been uh, it's been interesting. I, I, I'm I'm with the other guys on this. I cannot believe how much it's it's sort of turned or how how farcical some of our decision making has been. That it's uh, after when you see it from ourselves over the past decade, you know some of the things, and these were things that were done deliberately by people who had, did not have Rangers' best interests at heart at all. Um, you know who were in positions at the club who could who could hurt us, but through that, uh, this makes what they are doing even more farcical because supposedly this was this season, wasn't it? They flung a lot of money at it over the past twelve months, and players that they've been bringing in, they've been preparing for this season for a wee while now, um, and for them to to have given us for them to have served up what they have is uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite beautiful. Well, I'm enjoying it, and I'm sure everyone... Well, not everyone listening to us. I know a few Celtic fans listening to to try and get what the enemy is thinking. Well, what the enemy thinking is right now, lol. And uh, hopefully we'll be allowed out for the party that we anticipate coming soon. Right, I would just like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my guests this evening, the wonderful Mr Alex Staff. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. The tremendous Mr Ian Hogg. It's a pleasure as always, mate. And the wonderful Mr. Martin Ramsey. I was going to say it's a pleasure as always. This one a wee bit more pleasurable than than some. <laughs> Remember, if you want to catch up, not just with me, but with three guys here who all have their own shows over on Heart and Hand on Patreon, then just go there. It's patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand. Loads of great content coming your way. And uh, especially as we're all locked in the house at the moment, we're making more pods. Hopefully you'll be able to listen to more pods. It's just $1.99 per month, and I advise you all to go and check it out. Right, thank you for listening to me. I'll be back next week. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.